0: Thanks for joining Walt and me today. My name is Brenda McCord. Each week, we look forward to sharing lessons from God's Word. This podcast, Walk With God, is part of our ministry, Discover God's Truth. We invite you to visit the website and subscribe at discovergodstruth.org, where you can grow and be encouraged in your personal walk with the Lord. We appreciate the outreach ministry of TheAwakeningWorldwide.com. dot Well, hello, friends. Walt and I are thankful for the opportunity to teach God's Word each week, along with the Awakening Worldwide. And you know, this podcast "Walk with God" began three years ago, and we now have listeners in sixty countries. Sixty? Yeah, just wow, just. Um, Amazing, right? And the Lord continues just to lead and guide us through our new ministry, Discover God's Truth. Our purpose is to encourage and strengthen believers all around the world with God's Word. And we invite you to subscribe to our new ministry website, discovergodstruth.org. And we've shared this link in the show notes below. Well, as we begin today, we are going to wrap up First Peter 2. It seems like, I mean, what's the word we've been using? Rich. It is rich. (laughs) It is rich. But as we begin today, we're actually going to start in verse 18, but I want us to look back to verses 16 and 17 because they give us um, just this platform to jump into verse 18. We see live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. And we're going to see down in verse 18 today that word servant, and we're going to talk about that. And then it's interesting because Walt and I were talking about this yesterday. Verse 17 ends with, honor everyone love the brother brotherhood love everyone love the brotherhood and we talked about that's a couplet that goes and then it then the second part of this which is another couplet fear god honor the emperor so we've got people but then we've got those in authority over us so fear god honor the
1: emperor and, and i find it especially amazing because if we if we date the book of first peter right It's probably Nero, who is not a good guy. But God still wants us to to honor those in authority over us.
0: Yeah, and it's honor everyone at the front of these four little statements, but honor the emperor. And so now let's move into verse 18, servants. And these would have been household servants in that time. Be subject to your masters with all respect. So look back at verse 17, honor everyone, love the brotherhood. We're to honor those in authority all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. Does it seem here like God is saying we're to be respectful, we're to honor those who are even unkind to us, who treat us in an um, an ugly way, who in servants' situations, if they didn't obey their masters, the master could actually give them a beating, And then in 19, for this is a gracious thing when mindful of God, one endures sorrows or sufferings while suffering unjustly. First Timothy 2, 1 and 2 says, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. For King's and all who are in high positions that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. You know, Walt, as as Peter is writing this letter, We see him return once again to this big idea, how should we live our life every
1: day? And you know, Peter distinguishes here between justifiable suffering, suffering because we did wrong, and unjustifiable suffering, suffering even when we do that which is right. Listen to these verses beginning with verse 20. For what credit is it if when you sin, you are beaten for it and you endure, but if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure this is a gracious thing in the sight of God for to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps he committed no sin neither was deceit found in his mouth you know some suffering is because of us doing wrong we get caught um and and we deserve a punishment um and if you endure in that situation you get disciplined, but you don't get godly credit for it. But suffering when you're doing the right thing, suffering when you're living well for the Lord, suffering because you're living well for the Lord, suffering that occurs uh, when, when you're persecuted for the name of Jesus Christ, this is gracious in the sight of God. And this follows in Jesus' footsteps because he committed no sin. No deceit was found in his mouth. I I love that word, deceit. It means he did not misrepresent the truth. He he shared the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And then I love this out of Isaiah 53. um, Part of verse 9 says, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth, this suffering servant of Isaiah 50 suffered. Suffered in an unjust way, um in fact, Jesus we know is the way, the truth and the life there's no deceit that's john fourteen six you know even when we were talking about this. Um, a head heart for us. And again, that's always something we want to talk about. How do we apply this to our lives? Uh, in the summer of 1999, wow, that's uh, a little bit ago, 25 years ago, I traveled to the southeast corner of the Ukraine, and I taught two different groups of pastors. Now, this is the place in the Ukraine, um, Donetsk, Donetsk and Lugansk. This, these are places that have been in the news because that's where the the Russian invasion has been in the Ukraine, and my translator's name was Dima, and and um, we were in one class, and, and the class I was ready for a break, or I I thought they might be ready for a break, and so I said to Dima, you know, let's let's uh, is the class ready for a break? And Dima turned to this one gentleman. And 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 asked him. Now he wasn't the oldest gentleman, and he kind of looked like he had had a stroke. A part of his his body um, looked like it had had some some damage through that. And um and he he said um D- yeah da. And um and and I'm like afterwards I asked one of the other guys. I said seems like the class defers to this guy, and they said oh yes, um, we show the greatest respect to this pastor because he suffered the most. And I said, really, tell me about it. I said, yes. Um, The communists came and they said, "Um, we know you're a shepherd. You you tell us who's in your flock and we'll let you and your family go. And he would not. He would not tell who was, I'm sorry, I I still remember that. and It it moves me because he lost his family and he ended up being imprisoned um, in Siberia and he ended up suffering greatly. And all the other pastors showed him the highest respect because he'd suffered the most, like Christ. Yeah, and um, I still remember when you
0: returned from that trip in the Ukraine. And it's crazy because it's decades ago now, um, but it also brings tears to my, my just to my eyes and um, the realization that um, there are a lot of us, In this world who haven't suffered, but we also believe that there are people listening to this podcast who truly have suffered, who have been persecuted because they believe in Jesus Christ as their Savior. And we want you to know that we we pray for you and we lift you up and we ask the Lord to give you the strength that you need and the courage.
1: Yeah, and it, it's, it's hard for us because um, we're here in the United States of America. We, we sometimes get inconvenienced and we get upset. Some of our rights might be seem to be being taken away. We have no idea, most of us anyway, have almost no idea, no concept of that suffering, losing your family. Um, being thrown into a prison encampment in Siberia, um, barely having a life and being damaged physically forever because of that. Uh, again, there's a difference between being inconvenienced and suffering.
0: And I think coming off of that head to heart, well, before I go on into verse 23, what what I want us to look at, what I want to look at for my heart is. Am I just complaining because I'm uncomfortable or your word inconvenienced? Or am I looking to the Lord and um, trusting in him? And actually, we're going to see that in the, as we finish these three verses in chapter two. We're going to see how Jesus handled it. Sure. And that's a really great place for us to look at that application. Verse 23, when he was reviled... He did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Right there is that suffering, that persecuting situation. He was in just unbelievable suffering. And Walt and I revisited Isaiah 52 and 53 in preparation to teach this lesson and that suffering servant, and what he was called to. And I want to take us to Matthew chapter 27, with, just to to kind of um, add more details to this verse 23, in beginning in verse 12. But when he was accused by the chief priests and elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many things they testify against you? but he gave him no answer, not even a single charge, so that the governor was greatly amazed that Pilate, this, this one who had the ability to determine the outcome of Jesus in this situation, just was amazed that this man did not offer a word. And then we continue in verse 24. So when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing, but rather that a riot was beginning, he took water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. And then the soldiers, having scourged Jesus, they delivered him to be crucified. Coming down to verse 26, the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters and they gathered the whole battalion around him. And they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. And twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head. And even as I say they put it on his head, I'm sure that they pushed it into the skin on his head and put a reed in his right hand. And kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit on him, and they took the reed and struck him. On the head. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe and put his own clothes on him, and they led him away to crucify him.
1: You know, even as we were reading through Isaiah 53, just the despise, this is verse 3 of Isaiah 53 He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with great grief. And like one whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we did not esteem him. And I, I read through that, and it's, it's, just, it's just amazing. Continuing on, on down, surely he bore our griefs, he carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. That seems to be the background that Peter's thinking about when he continues and finishes this book. Um, verse twenty-four um, of First Peter chapter two, he he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness by his wounds. And those are these are deep wounds. You have been healed, and and that past tense of healed. When Jesus died and was a sacrificial atonement, when he was pierced through for our in, in, in transgressions, Isaiah fifty three five says, when he was crushed for our iniquities, upon him our chastisement brought us peace and his wounds healed us. I know some people would talk about physical healing, but the past tense is saying when Christ died on the cross um his sacrifice, his bleeding, his precious blood was an atonement. It it took care of our sin issues. And this is just before that in Isaiah 52, verse 13, 15. He's, he will sprinkle the nations clean, and he will shut the mouths on account of him. Um, that's atonement. That's using the blood and sprinkling it. And that was what you had to do um, on on. The high holy days, you had to bring a sacrifice, and that sacrifice said something has someone alive has to die for your sins. Is either you do it or this animal? But then, sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice. When Jesus died, there was a profound change because he was the Son of God and because he was the God Man. His sacrifice was sufficient for the whole world. It's efficient for the people who place their faith in him, but it's sufficient for the whole world. And this should result, the sacrificial death of Jesus should result a profound change in our lives, a profound change in my life. Um, No deceit was found in his mouth. Is there ever deceit or misrepresented truth found in your mouth, in my mouth? And that is, are you committed to telling the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, and you can still be wise, but but we should be people that look and act and live like Jesus, because he is our model.
0: And as we come into this last verse in chapter 2, For we were straying, you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. And again, we have to go back to Isaiah 53, 6, where it says, All we, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. On who? On Jesus, the suffering servant. That's what Isaiah 53 is a picture. It is to tell his chosen people that this one would be coming, and that even though we've strayed, this wonderful shepherd, this one who, as Peter now refers to him, the overseer of your soul
1: He came and he paid the price. And that's why John the Baptist, at the very beginning of his ministry, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Jesus not only was the good shepherd, but he also was the perfect lamb sacrificed by our Heavenly Father so that our sins can be. The iniquity of us all can fall on him. And God can look at us and say, I see you clothed, wrapped cleansed by my son, I see you with his righteousness. And that is it's what has to happen that's what has to happen for us to become good sheep. We have to turn our lives over to the shepherd and to the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And just as you're saying, you know, in
0: John the Apostle's gospel, so in John chapter one, that's where John the Baptist, a different John than the writer of the gospel book, but he is actually saying there, this is the Lamb of God. But then later in chapter 10, I love, love these, verses, he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name. He leads them out. And then here in verse 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Let's close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for these verses that that tell us that there will be trouble, there will be suffering, there will be persecution in this world. But I thank you, we thank you today that Jesus was willing to come to suffer, to set an example for how we should live. The purpose of his death on the cross is to produce new life in you and in me. And as we trust in him, that we would turn our back on our old life, on our sinful ways, and that we would, in fact, devote our living today to righteousness, to be holy. Why? Because you are holy. Lord, I thank you. I thank you that Jesus was willing to be crucified, and that I no longer live for me, but because I've accepted Jesus as my Savior, I know Christ lives in me, and that I can love him today, and I thank him that he loves me, he loves you, in fact, so much that he suffered the death of a cross. May we continue to walk with God. Amen. Thank you for listening to this lesson from God's Word. Walk with God is part of the teaching ministry of Discover God's Truth. Visit our website at discovergodstruth.org. We appreciate the outreach ministry of theawakeningworldwide.com.